0: I lived in a community where there was about 30 boys that went into the service. My brother Bill, he, he wanted to go in so bad. He was in the Air Force, along with my other two brothers, they were in the Air Force also, they were all three pilots. He uh, went over to the South Pacific. On the mission that he went on, he got shot down. On Christmas Eve, we got the message that Bill was killed. It's a beautiful thing to know even though in the midst of sadness and despair that your loved ones perished so that we might have the freedoms we have. I would like to express my thanks to all the people all the the, the men and women that have served our country and have perished so that we might have the freedoms that we have today.
1: Lord God, we thank you for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice so that we can experience a freedom that, that again, maybe we, we took for granted in a way that we don't this year. And so we thank you. We thank you for the family and friends of those loved ones, God, and the sacrifice that they've made by losing them. And most of all, God, we thank you that, that their sacrifice mirrors the sacrifice that, that you've called all of us to as, as you said in your word that, that the greatest form of love is to give your life for a friend. We know that you gave your life for us, that that calls us friends of God, and we thank you, and we pray, God, that as we are your friend, as we are, as we are drawn into your presence, as we sacrifice ourselves for the betterment of others, God, would you draw us closer to you and closer to one another? And may we learn how to do that in deeper ways as we focus on your word. It is in your name we pray. Amen. If you would, join me and um, open your Bible and open it up to Philippians chapter 3. We're starting at verse 17. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, you can open up the Bible app on your phone. Whatever whatever works for you as, as we get into God's word, would you join me at verse 17? Paul says, Join together... In following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The word of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How many of you out there watched the ESPN documentary on Michael Jordan that just ended this week, The, the Last Dance? If if you watched it, I want you to let us know by either clicking that like button, that heart button, comment in the comment section. Um, because I wanna be jealous of you because I don't have ESPN. I gotta wait until it plays on YouTube, or I'm sorry, on on Netflix, and, and that's July nineteenth. Not that I'm counting the days, I'm gonna take the week off, of course, and watch every episode. But but really it's okay because the reason I want to watch it, the reason I'm so excited about this particular documentary is because that's my life. Like, I lived in that moment. I grew up in Illinois. I was a Bulls fan when Michael Jordan was, was in the midst of his height of his career. I was, I was like every kid in the 90s. I was I was singing my life song that came from a Gatorade commercial. Remember how it goes? I want to be like Mike. We all wanted to be like Mike. I had the, the basketball card. I had his baseball cards. I had the jerseys. And, and then in 7th and 8th grade, I even had it in my head that I was going to really be like Michael Jordan, and I signed up to play basketball. And uh, we were actually we were going through some old boxes this week, and I found the pictures of when I played basketball in 7th and 8th grade. And they're really embarrassing, but, but if they bring you some joy and laughter at my expense, then I guess it's okay. I'll show them to you right now. Take a look at these photos apparently someone told us not to smile but but for me the the real reason is probably because because I wasn't happy because I was nothing like Mike I was I was actually a terrible basketball player and looking back I realized it was it was for two reasons first of all I don't think I took it as seriously as some of the other players did and I I also don't think I had the natural skill that other players had and so so my basketball career ended after eighth grade even though I did go on to coach my little sister's rec league team and uh, there's a picture of that as well see I just had that same facial expression for quite a few years but enough embarrassing photos about your pastor I I read a quote this week it was from the documentary it was by BJ Armstrong he was a point guard who played with Michael Jordan and he was asked if Jordan was a nice guy to play with and and here's what he said he said he said was he a nice guy He couldn't have been nice. With with that kind of mentality he had, you can't be a nice guy. He would have been difficult to be around if you didn't truly love the game of basketball. He is difficult. And I read that and I thought to myself, you know, I'll bet that people said the same thing about the Apostle Paul. I'll bet the people said the same thing about Paul, the guy who wrote the reading that we just read from Philippians. And just before our reading, if if you don't remember, verses 12 through 14, Paul compares the Christian life to running a race. There's even sports involved. He says, I'm running the race as if to win. He says, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm running to get there. And then after that, he says in our reading today, verse 17, he says, join together in doing what I'm doing. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now, Now, what is Paul's example? He's in prison. He's being physically beaten, and his life is constantly being threatened By his commitment to the gospel, to following Jesus and to sharing the love of Jesus with those who don't know him. And Paul refers to this life of suffering in several places, in places in other other sections of of the letter to the church in Philippi, but also in other letters like like 1 Thessalonians 1.6. He says, again, you became imitators of us, right? You're following our example and the example of the Lord Jesus, for you welcomed the message in the midst of of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And in case you think this is just one flavor of following the Christian faith, if you're like, okay, so there's a, a suffering track and, and where's the comfort track, right? You won't find it because look at this, 1 Peter four thirteen, different author. He says, rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that, it's not just about the sufferings, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, Playing basketball with Michael Jordan included a ton of suffering, but the suffering resulted in championships. The suffering resulted in winning games. And when Jordan was asked the question about how he was perceived to not be such a nice guy to play with, this is what he said. He said, when people see this documentary, they're going to say, well, he wasn't really a nice guy. He might have even been a tyrant. Well, that's you because you've never won anything. I wanted to win, but I I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. Now, this is where I'm going to kind of divert from the illustration because as impressive as Michael Jordan's accomplishments are to me and to so many others in the world, they're not the same accomplishments that Paul is calling us to live for. And and we can see that in Jordan's life, right? We can see that in his life. We can see that his single-minded focus on basketball came at the expense of his family. It came at the expense of regrets that he had when his father died. It came as a, a clear struggle in his life when it came time to find purpose beyond his career in basketball. But his attitude, I believe, his attitude is universal because it all it highlights that, that all of us are living for something, right? All of us are living for some mission. We want to achieve what we believe is the highest calling in our life. Sometimes that's just simply our own comfort and and, and, and avoiding suffering. But in any case, we're all living for something. And the truth is, that there will always be a tension if you don't follow that with your whole heart. If 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 this is, is what's true for those who played basketball with Michael Jordan, how much truer is it in our faith? I mean, Jesus said this, right? He said that a kingdom cannot be divided against itself. There were people that thought that maybe he was coming from Satan himself, but he said, no, that's not how this works. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's, and he is showing that God is the one who should be our ultimate mission. And there's a tension if you're following Jesus and that's not your focus. And, and Paul illustrates the tension. Verse 18, he says, he says, For as I have often told you before, and I now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Paul says that if you're on Team Jesus, you are no longer on a team on your own. If you're running this race, you got to run it the way Paul's running it because Paul is running it the way Jesus ran it. And if you don't, then you're going to experience a tension, right? That's the hypocrisy that a lot of people see in the church and among Christians, that that on one hand, we we say that we're called to to love others and to give of ourselves and to be humble, and then on the other hand, we're the opposite of those things. It's It's a tension, and Paul says you can't live that way any more than a soldier can be on the front lines of battle and have their mind focused on something else. It's downright dangerous, and that's why you see Paul having pain in these verses. Look, he's not... Not just pointing down his nose at other people he has tears because the the Christian faith is a team sport that requires a total commitment and if you come to it with any less what he says is that it will ultimately eventually destroy you because you're living a double life and it's it's a pretty simple example that he uses he says he says, their God is their stomach. I mean, we all know that, right? You don't need a theologian to tell you what that means. If you let your stomach dictate everything you eat, it will lead you to destruction. Your life, your body will eventually fail. I, I keep telling my wife, Alyssa, that, that I instead of salad, I would like to eat pizza because all of the ingredients are the same, right? Especially if it's a garbage pizza. It usually has all sorts of vegetables and tomato sauce and a little bit of cheese on the top, but she tells me that I can't do that because it will literally kill me if I eat too much pizza. Have you ever watched someone that focuses so much on themselves that, that they alienate everybody around them? That's what Paul says when he says, their glory is in their shame. Their glory is their shame. Truth is, anything that we focus on first outside of of eternity and outside of God himself will eventually fall short and will come to an end. I mean, let's talk about that in life today, right? We all want this pandemic to just be over, right? But when it is over, and even if God just snapped his fingers and made it go away tomorrow, and we went back to a new normal, eventually your body's going to fail from something else. We all will experience that. And so, so if, if our pursuit in life is our own safety and our own security and it's all about this world, eventually Paul says we will become disappointed. But when you follow Jesus, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, because Paul says that if you're following our example, as we follow the example of Jesus, we are no longer running a race that ends on this side of heaven. But verse 20, he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, this does not mean that life on this side of heaven isn't important. But as I've talked about over and over again, the life of following Jesus means to focus on him first. And all the other things in our life will come into perspective, right? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace, as the old hymn goes, right? That's what this means and 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 we need this in the times of joy but we especially need this in the times of pain and suffering and unknown and i experienced that this this past week when i i officiated the first funeral that i've done since this pandemic started it was it was interesting because i officiated a funeral the day before everything shut down and so they've been kind of bookends on, on these different seasons that we've been going through. And, and every funeral is tragic, but this one was was particularly so um, because we were mourning the loss of, of a newborn baby who passed away during delivery. And his obituary read, born into eternal life. And as I met with this family and as a parent myself, as I looked into the eyes of these two fellow parents, On this side of heaven, I felt woefully unprepared to say or do anything that could possibly offer any value at all. And so I just sat with them and we prayed and we talked and we talked about life and relationships and the joy of this child and and the things that he has already done to, to, to have an impact on their life even though he has already been born into eternal life. And then when I got there to the funeral, I thought about being a follower of Jesus. And I was thinking about this passage that we were going to be talking about this morning. And, and I thought about what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And I was able to say to the family and all those who were gathered in that place that, that whether we live nine months in the womb or a hundred years outside of the womb, both will feel too short. Both will feel too short because God has made us to live in eternal life with him. And Paul says that because of what Jesus has done for us, that's where we will go. That's where we will live. That no matter where your neighborhood is today, your citizenship is in heaven. We are passing through. And I said that, that, that your son is now waiting in the very arms that knit him together in his mother's womb, that he is there waiting and that you will spend more time with him in eternity than you ever could have spent with him on this side of heaven. And I said that not as a blanket statement to make it all okay because in lots of ways I don't understand it either. But the sooner that we can take truth and the sooner and we can take that hope, and take hope Hold of Jesus and, and the eternal life that God has given us, the perspective through which to live, it can put into perspective the suffering that we experience as we run this race because we know we run it, not as those without hope, but as those who know that there will be a glory on that future day when we arrive that we will not just run the race, but that we will win the race, not because of our own doing, but because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so would you join me right now as we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are with us in the joys and in the sufferings. I thank you for the Apostle Paul and for his example as someone who recognizes that when we make sacrifices on behalf of others out of love, that that is a great honor because we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray. I pray for wisdom, and I pray for strength, and I pray for faith for myself, and I pray for faith for for all those who are with us today. God, that we would see the days ahead with the hope of eternal life, that that would be our focus, and that that would put in perspective the momentary troubles that we're facing today. God, I pray for those who are facing momentary troubles. I pray for this family who is mourning the loss of their son. Would you bring them peace that goes beyond our limited understanding? And God, will you bring peace to all those who continue to suffer in the faith? As your word says, we do not suffer as those without hope, but we know you and we know life is eternal. And for reasons that we may not be able to explain on this side of heaven, we know, as your word says, that as we don't set our eyes on earthly things, but instead set them on you, that last verse, verse 21, we know that we are eagerly awaiting a Savior who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our our lowly bodies so that we will be like him Lord help us to make help us to be that way now to live in that hope and that truth and it is in your name we pray